Music and murder contains violence, profanity, and graphic material that may not be suitable for children or people with weak stomachs. Parental advisory is definitely recommended. Welcome to Music and Murder, the show that people kill or die to be on. Today is a very special episode, and I really think you're going to dig it if you could stomach it. I'm not doing a discussion on this episode because, well, honestly, there's a 50-minute tape recording that I need to play because I've never heard it played on anything ever, so it'll be a good treat to make sure you get to hear that. I'd also like to say that the numbers are in, and episode one, The Dumb Fuck Killer, was our best episode that we've ever put out. So now I'm running for governor because I have meth and taggers. Before we go any further, this episode deals with some really strange shit, and it's going to make you want to keep your hand over your drink for the rest of your life, even around your friends. So honestly, unless you're really into true crime, you may not want to listen to this. Still here? Hello? Mic check? Okay, good. Now, dim the lights, open a bottle of something good, maybe smoke them if you got them, and let me tell you a little story about... Satan! 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 This case has been told many, many times. But it has always been told wrong. And the facts haven't been researched well, usually. And it literally just turned into rather a folklore legend rather than a factual story, which it is. Until now. I have actually taken the time to research the story in a very factual manner so you don't have to be forced to listen to a bunch of BS. Satan, I mean... David Parker Ray, who I'm going to refer in this episode as D.P. And yes, pun is most definitely intended, at least for those of you who were warped enough to get that. Now, D.P. was born in Belen, New Mexico, on November 6th, 1939. Now, I know to a lot of you youngsters and millennials... That sounds like 100,000 years ago, but literally, it wasn't that long ago. I mean, definitely wasn't even close to 100 years ago, so. He had four marriages that didn't work out. So he got married four times, and not once did any of those marriages work. And from those marriages, it is said that he had two children And I've heard things that said that he had a son and a daughter, but most sources say that he had two daughters. One documentary actually stated that he had a son that the cops were trying to get him, meaning DP's son, to roll over on him and turn state's evidence. But I can't find anywhere where he has a son. So let's just say he had two daughters because that sounds a little bit more factual. Now, one thing that all sources agree on is that he definitely, definitely did have one daughter. 
His daughter was Glenda Jean Ray, a.k.a. Jesse Ray. And Jesse Ray later became one of DP's accomplices, which we will definitely get into more later. But let's just say for now, after researching this case for many years, I can guarantee that they were a little more than just family members or friends, if you get what I'm saying. Now, DP grew up with his younger sister, Peggy. And I wonder if Peggy's middle name was Parker, because Peggy Parker Ray sounds like she could have been the godmother of Hee Haw, for Christ's sake. For you millennials, Hee Haw was a TV show that my generation was forced to watch when we were kids, because we had three channels, and all three of them sucked. DP and Peggy, they were basically raised by their father's parents, who were a couple of extremely disciplinary guardians. His alcoholic father, Cecil, only dropped in on occasion to see his kids out of what seemed like obligation, I would imagine. But when he did drop in, he'd bring DP true detective magazines that were basically just pictures of women being tied up, bound, gagged, and helpless. I've never seen these magazines personally in real life, but from what I know of them, they seem to be a staple in every blossoming sadistic serial killer or rapist that was around before the internet, which now makes true detective magazines look like Walt Disney children's books. Now, DP's mom was into other things that didn't involve her kids, and she just never really bonded with them, which likely gave DP an extreme fear of abandonment, which along with his hatred for his grandmother Dolly helped him manifest into the person that he later became. DP went to high school at Mountaineer High School in Mountaineer, New Mexico, where I assume he breathed in a lot of mountain air. Sources reveal that DP was quite a bitch in high school. He was bullied, very shy. Supposedly, he never had his first date with a real woman until he was 18. Until that time, it was just his hand, True Detective magazines, and some drawings that he drew. Because he was also quite the artist, and he created many drawings, what would you guess, depicting women being raped and tortured. He was literally doing this by the time he was in high school as a freshman, a freshman in high school, while most other kids his age were watching Leave it to Beaver And the little rascals, he was jerking off to women being tied up and tortured in magazines and in his drawings, his own masterpieces of sadoism. And yes, it has been revealed that he literally did masturbate to the pictures that he drew. I mean, making your own porn in high school, that's a little weird, especially for the 50s. Now, his sister, Peggy... She found these drawings and other pictures featuring sadomasochism and showed them 
to their grandparents, which ended up in Ray being punished. But how, we don't know exactly. DP made his first little private torture spot next to a tree on his grandfather's property at the age of 15. He'd hang and tie up and mutilate Barbie dolls and occasionally animals, of course. DP graduated high school, then took off and joined the United States Army, where he worked as a general mechanic. As you will soon find out, DP had some pretty wicked mad mechanical skills. DP was honorably discharged from the Army. And damn, that's a lot to take in already. Let's listen to a bit of music and take this all in for a second. This is a song called Love Struck from Eros out of Central California. Wasn't looking for it. Love struck. Can't fight it. It's out of my control. Love struck. Wasn't looking for it. Love struck. She got a circus smile that's true to a self worth. In my head, not coming through to my mouth. What if I move the crowd? To who's that wow? She got strawberry lips and her hair in the breeze. And I'm staring at hips, and now she's glaring at me. I'm thinking, it's too good to be true. It's soon be ruining you. Don't hold it back when I feel it's from root. Below the surface, the nerves are emerging. The urge to curb up, cause courage ain't perfect. Vision blurring, a cure is surging. Intangible occurrence. That you can never purchase Insurgent To let my life be derailed I'd rather win in my sails And drink for love's holy grail That's that I fail But it's all just dumb luck Bask in the bliss If you're blessed to be love struck Joe motherfucking exotic, and yes, I'm still in prison, and yes, I'm still trying to kill that Carol fucking Baskin from inside the prison, but motherfuckers keep taking my money and buying meth and not even killing that bitch. You know what else? Some motherfuckers say I didn't even sing on the records or write them songs about tigers and meth, including that motherfucking Michael Keeney on this motherfucking show, Music and Motherfucking Murder. That sucks big old tiger cock because they haven't even done an episode on that motherfucking bitch, Carol fucking Baskin. And you know what? 
fuck her and her ice cream, too. Don't you ever support Carol Baskin and fucking Robbins. 31 flavors, my shaved, pierced cock. That bitch don't even know how to make ice cream. She needs to be fucking dead. Motherfuck that Carol fucking Baskin! It's always such a treat to get a nice little voicemail from Joe when he's in prison. He's always so nice, so supportive. It kind of reminds me of Wiley Coyote and the Roadrunner. Old Joe Exotic just chasing around Carol Baskin everywhere. And this is the show Music and Murder. I am your host, Michael. And if you would like to get your music on the show, please just message me some links on our Instagram page at music underscore murder underscore podcast. Or you can email me at murdercast at mail.com. One word, murdercast at mail.com. And please follow us on IG as well, and we will follow you back. Alrighty then, back to our after school special. On July 23rd, 1993, DP, David Parker Ray, made a tape. Now, this wasn't a demo for a record label. There was no music involved, but it was a tape, a cassette tape that was played on a little Sony boombox for women that he kidnapped, drugged, raped, and allegedly killed. Here's a little teaser of this tape, and like I stated earlier, this tape will be played in its 40-plus minute entirety at the end of this episode, where we usually have discussions. And yes, it is the actual version with DP himself narrating through the tape. There's a lot of recordings all over the internet that claim to be real, but this one actually is. This clip I'm going to play you may possibly make you spit your food out if you're eating. So don't say I didn't warn you. In fact, this makes the third time that I've warned you about this specific case. So, here you go. We have a couple of real close friends we party with once in a while. They know about our hang-ups and don't have any problem with fucking a slave. You may be required to service them occasionally, but that's an easy one. For the most part, just fucking and sucking. They don't get into the heavier stuff. However, when we have a party, sometimes I like to put on a little show that you won't like at all. You'll be taken into the living room and put on the floor on your hands and knees, naked. Your wrists, ankles, knees, and hips will be strapped to a metal frame to hold your body in that position. The frame is designed for doggy fucking, your ass up in the air, sex organs exposed, your tits hanging down on each side of a metal support bar, knees spread about 12 inches, position similar to that of a bitch dog in heat, right in the middle of the floor so we can sit on the couch and in chairs and watch. I'm going to rub canine breeders musk on your back, the back of your neck, and on your sex organs. Now I have three dogs. All of them's male, because I don't need any fucking pups. One of them is a very large German Shepherd that is always horny. 
and he loves it when I bring him in the house to fuck a woman. After I let him in the house, he'll sniff around you a little bit, and within a minute, he'll be mounting you. There's about a 50-50 chance which hole he'll get his penis into, but it doesn't seem to bother him whether it's the pussy or the asshole. I just sat here for like an hour trying to figure out exactly how to segue out of that clip. And all I can come up with is, what clip are you talking about? I didn't play anything. Anywho, moving on. So let's get back to 1993, when the tape that I never played a clip from was being made. DP was living with his daughter, Jessie Ray. Now in this tape, while he's living with no wife or girlfriend, he explains how him and his lady friend like to do this and that. And being that Jesse Ray was later proven to be an accomplice, and she was the only one living with DP at the time, I think it's a fair assessment to say that he was definitely abusing her when she was younger and abusing with her when she got older. And for how long, nobody knows. Are you starting to see why I call him Satan? And not to say that Jesse Ray was just an abused victim, but she was a victim. And it is extremely sad that she grew up with a father like DP and was taught to do things that literally destroyed people's lives, including her own. Also, besides the sexual stuff, and even though I've never heard it come up in this case, but there had to be large amounts of drug use going on as well, every one of the victims that survived and came forth said that they were held and raped and tortured for three days. Why three days, you ask? Well, three days is the average that a meth user tweaks for before they get exhausted and have to pass out for a bit. So I'm pretty positive that these abductions and their lifespan revolved around meth use. Plus, this is New Mexico. You know where Walter White and Jesse Pinkman lived? I think Jesse Pinkman and Jesse Ray may have had a little business association at some point. I don't know. Now, Jesse Ray was arrested for kidnapping and torturing women on April 27, 1999. She was only 32 years old. Now, in 1986, she was still a teenager. She actually tried to warn the FBI about her father, DP, and stated that he was involved in a human trafficking ring. But, of course, the FBI didn't listen to her or follow up on it or anything like that. They probably had much more important things to do, like make sure drug dealers weren't making any tax-free money and things like that. Jessie later turned a complete 180 and went from snitching on her dad to helping him abduct victims. Even at least one of her personal friends. Her friend's friend. Not somebody she didn't know. A friend that she was drinking with. In 1996, Jessie Ray and her friend, Kelly Garrett, was drinking at a local dive bar together. And Jessie Ray drugged her drink, threw her in the car, and brought her home so that her and her father, DP, could torture 
rape, and nearly kill Kelly. Kelly was later found with her throat slashed and assumed to be left for dead, but she survived. She was later identified in 1999 after the FBI was able to make out a tattoo of a swan on her ankle. It's a really sad story because nobody believed Kelly when she was found. Everyone assumed that she was just off on some drug binge. It was stated that even her husband left her. I suppose her ex and the police all figured that she had just slit her own throat and threw herself out on the side of the road. The ignorance that you witness when researching these cases sometimes defies all logic and common sense and sometimes even gravity. One thing to note, though, she, like all the other surviving victims, meaning Kelly, could not remember what happened to her because she was heavily drugged. DP had a signature drug cocktail that he used to help just basically warp the minds of his victims. He used a combination of sodium pentothal and phenobarbital, which mixed together can easily be fatal, but if it's not, it can totally make you forget where you've been for three days. To put it in perspective, sodium pentothal was the drug that we used to use during lethal injections. Europe stopped sending us that shit because we were using it to help kill inmates. And they didn't like that. Because Europe, I guess, has never killed anybody. But anyway, moving on. I do believe that being drugged during these events would be better than not being drugged. But just because you don't remember it consciously, your subconscious doesn't forget anything. You will always have flashbacks and lucid nightmares and likely anxiety attacks, etc. Which now brings us to my favorite part of this entire story. Miss Cindy Hindi. And you're going to get to hear from Cindy Hindi herself and lots of good stuff about Cindy Hindi right after this quick break. Hey, what's up, y'all? This is Travis Brooks. When I need some recording done, there's only one place I go, and that's down the rabbit hole. Hey, this is JJ Brown. There's only one studio in the Central Valley that I work at, and that's Rabbit Hole. Go check them out. For more booking information, you can email rabbitholefrs at icloud.com. Visit and follow their Instagram page at rabbitholefrs. Over the land. 
was a tune by the Jack Tones, and the song is called Latka. Kind of like vodka, but with an L. So now that you've met most of the key players of this twisted little story, let me give you the epiphany, aha moment, before I tell you about the lovely, respectable Cindy Hindi, who is one of my favorite people to study, out of all cases, by the way. Not just this one. So David Parker Ray, DP, lived in Elephant Butte, New Mexico, as a mechanic and a park ranger, where every one of his co-workers loved him and still, to this day, use all of the tools that he made while he worked there for many years. He was so loved there that his boss actually kept him on payroll for a while after he was arrested because he thought that there was no way that DP could be guilty of those charges. And those charges included torture, rape, and murder. Now, DP also had a semi-trailer next to his nasty little house that he and his friends called the Toy Box. Now, Elephant Butte is a little town in New Mexico just seven miles from truth or consequences, or rather, as the locals call it, T or C. The city was named after a TV show that held a contest in 1950 for their 10-year anniversary, basically daring a U.S. city to change their name to truth or consequences. And boom, the city that chose to do that was Hot Springs, New Mexico. So Hot Springs became... Truth or Consequences, TRC. Now, DP's toy box was literally a shop of whores. He had every instrument you could think of, including a gynecological chair. That's a chair that you sit in when you go to see a gynecologist as the main centerpiece of the little torture chamber that he called the toy box. He also had handmade wooden PVC pipe and iron dildos, besides, of course, the regular store-bought ones that you get. He also had pulleys and chains and things like that all over the ceiling and all over the walls. And, of course, demonic and sadistic porn pictures covering the walls where there was room. This even included his own drawings as well. Let's not forget about those, right? There were leg spreaders and also shocking devices that worked off of a generator. He literally hooked these things up to women's private parts and nipples and shocked them for hours. And, I mean, this is documented on tapes. Hours he would do this. This is where he'd usually play the infamous tape that we've talked so much about that I never played a clip of. 
but he would play this tape after his victims were abducted. They were blindfolded, sometimes even put into this little, like, lunchbox thing that had a hole cut out for the face, chained up, strapped down, and sometimes even strung up in midair by the police or the chains. It was said that he had up to 60 victims, but not a single body was ever found, except for a man named Billy Bowers. And yeah, a man. But this man actually worked with DP. He was found in Elephant Butte Lake in the 80s, and him and DP owned a company together. So I'm guessing that something went a little wrong with that company. Now, DP's MO motive of operation with the bodies that he supposedly had was very well thought out and very methodical. Unlike the guy we talked about in episode one, the dumb fuck killer, DP would actually cut open his victims' torsos take out all the insides, the guts and everything, and feel the body cavity with rocks and bricks, and then close up the body by wrapping it in chicken wire. So kind of think about that. He would cut open the whole torso, the whole chest and stomach, pull out everything that you could pull out, fill it with heavy stuff, and then wrap the entire body with chicken wire to where that wouldn't be likely to open up. And by the way, in Elephant Butte Lake, there's a type of catfish that probably will devour bodies, if not 100%. Now, DP only admitted to killing three people, and Mr. Bowers, his co-owner of his, of his company, was one of them. But he did say a lot of things to the FBI to get them to let his daughter, Jessie, go free which did work out for her. It, it, actually, it actually did. She did very little jail time, and she got five years probation. But, I mean, it was the least that he could do for her, being that he likely began ruining her life when she was probably 12, maybe younger. Now, his arrest occurred. He got arrested for all this stuff in 1999, March of 1999. Let's back up six to eight months, because some records say six months, some records say eight months. But six to eight months before March of 1999, he's working at his park ranger job, and he meets a young lady exactly 20 years younger than him named Cindy Hendy. Kind of like Cindy who, but Cindy Hendy doesn't like catch the Grinch. She catches women and she tortures them with DP. Before I tell you anything else about Cindy Hindi, I'm going to just let her kind of let you know how she met David Parker Ray. I met David when I was working at the parks where he worked as a mechanic. I had mentioned things that I'm into that I like. This was always just fantasy. So he had a fantasy life that wasn't real until you met David Parker Ray. 
I never had any bondage or weird sex with my husbands. And David and I would talk about it, and we were compatible in quite a few ways. Now, I know you don't know much about Cindy yet, but can't you just picture the scene? Cindy Handy picking up trash during community service for a case that she caught, and her and DP just lock eyes. And those eyes slowly turn into hearts, and they both think, I could totally abduct, rape, and torture women with that person. They are, without a doubt, dark and evil soulmates. So Cindy Hindi grew up in Seattle, Washington, and she grew up hard and tough. And people have said that even though she was only like 100 pounds, she could easily whip a dude's ass, which I do believe. Cindy is definitely intimidating. When she was just 12 years old, she told her mother that she was being sexually abused by her mother's boyfriend. So like any great mother would do, she kicked Cindy out, stating that she didn't believe her. Thus, Cindy's hard knock life began. She got a few cases in Washington, nothing really worth discussing, just some drug charges. And rather than deal with those charges, she ran off to New Mexico where she caught some more minor charges, hence the community service. Now, after her and Ray met, she was fascinated by him. As strange as it may seem, a good percentage of women are attracted to murderers. It's something to do with our need to survive. If you were living in the dinosaur age, and you were a woman, you would not want a partner that is not capable of committing homicide. So genetically speaking, some of that need-to-survive instinct is still embedded in us, especially in females. Here's a clip of her talking about how she felt when she first met DP. It also interested me because I felt I was getting to know a serial killer. I'd never met one, and I was just curious. I wasn't sure if I believed him or not. Well, she probably believes him now. So that is what she thought when she first met him. Here is another clip discussing how she felt about him after she went to jail with him. I'm still pissed off at him. I curse him most of the time. Many for what? Putting me in this situation with his stupid fantasies. Yeah, his stupid fantasies kind of made her rape and torture and drug women and even do all of that on camera. Now, she's totally minimizing her role in this and totally minimizing the fact that these were actually people that she was doing this crazy sadistic stuff to. Here's a clip of her minimizing the whole situation, so you know exactly what I'm talking about. And you were not horrified? No, nothing drastic was happening. There was no blood or... She wasn't being beat to a pulp or anything, you know. So what's there to be horrified over? Oh, God, I just love some Cindy Handy. It is uh, amazing that she could be so calloused about what happened. If you remember... 
Kelly Garrett had her throat slashed. And if you remember the girl from the 911 call, she was covered in blood. So yeah, there, there was blood, and there was a little bit of a reason to be horrified, I would, I would think. Now, David Parker Ray, DP, always talked about the women that he abducted as being his packages, which is a way of dehumanizing them and turning them into objects rather than people, thus making it easier for him and his accomplices to inflict pain and suffering upon them for nothing more than just a little bit of sexual arousal. Here is Cindy Hendy again, also talking the same language as DP, just in case any of you actually think that she was acting under duress when she did what she did to these women. This will kind of clarify who and what she is. Oh, and let me add that in this particular clip, she is talking about her friend, Cindy. Her friend, just like Jesse Ray had a friend, Kelly, well, Cindy Handy had another friend named Cindy, who she also drugged and took to DP. The only thing I ever did to Cindy was whip her. That mm-hmm. was it. He would have me get certain toys yeah. to bring to him in the den where he had Cindy chained. She was hoisted and off the floor by uh, straps. Why didn't you try to stop it? I just didn't stop. That's uh-huh. what he wanted. It was his package. He could do what he wanted. So. Uh, it was his package so he could do whatever he wanted. Well, Cindy later did testify against DP in order to save her own ass, where she became the state's package. And she did try to take the FBI to some of the alleged bodies, as well as recover other evidence against DP, but nothing but her words were actually present in the courtroom. Even with becoming a state witness, Cindy was still sentenced to 36 years in prison in 2000, and she was released in 2019, after making the decision to serve out her time rather than being paroled where she would have to register as a sex offender and have a parole officer monitoring where she was at. And yes, you did hear that right. A woman that was charged with kidnapping, torturing, drugging, and raping other women was released without having to register as a sex offender. And her crimes weren't just hearsay. She was actually seen doing this on camera multiple times for multiple days, even to her own friend. It's a crazy world we live in, isn't it? Sometimes after you take in so much of this stuff, you need to sit back and relax and just let it all go. both been and words cannot say just how I feel you're the only one that gets me you're the only thing that's real so don't say that your life ain't worth living girl baby just take my hand 
Baby, you been beat up Yeah, and I've been beat down We both burned some bridges In this here small town We ride or die Straight on through the night Until the wheels fall off Like Bonnie and Clyde So don't say that you're alive Baby, just take my hand And that was Let It All Go by Michael D. Keeney. And I get mistaken for him a lot. He must be one ugly sumbitch. One final player in this twisted little tale of shattered lives and misfortune is Dennis Roy Yancey, who simply goes by Roy Yancey, so I'm just going to call him Roy. The facts around Roy are difficult to obtain. It has been said that he was wanted for questioning in a murder case involving a drug dealer in Florida that was later ruled as a very suspicious suicide, and also that he was an extremely big animal abuser. And if you know me, I don't fucking like that. And it is also said that his town, Truth or Consequences, TRC, had to actually cancel Halloween one year when he was a teenager because him and his friends were doing rituals in graveyards and killing so many animals. But honestly, I call BS on that. I don't think any of that's true. The only facts that I can find out about Roy is that in April of 99, when he was 27, he was arrested in connection with David Ray Parker. And he pleaded guilty to murdering his ex-girlfriend who went missing from the same dive bar that Cindy Handy and Jesse Ray both abducted women from, which I didn't mention the name earlier, but it's a bar called the Blue Water Saloon in Truth or Consequences, New Mexico. So go there and have a drink, because I hear their drinks are super duper strong. Roy's ex, 22-year-old Marie Parker, 
went missing on July 5th, 1997, and Roy was arrested for her disappearance. And of course, as soon as he was arrested, he turned state's evidence against DP and Jesse Ray, stating that after he took Marie to them, they raped and tortured Marie for three days. There's that three days again. Then, when they were done with her, they gave Roy a rope and told him, quote, you know what you have to do, end quote. So, of course, Roy obeyed because he stated that Jesse held a gun to his head. Now, think about that for a second. He just drugs his ex, Marie. Then he throws her in a car and takes her to DP and Jesse Ray. Then, out of gratitude, they put a gun to his head and force him to strangle her. None of this makes any sense. That sounds like a made-up cop story if I ever heard one. The FBI likely just wanted DP so bad, they forced good old Roy to make a deal. And it worked, obviously. Oh, and also, Roy tried to take the FBI to recover Marie's body because he stated that him and DP buried her together. But when Roy and the FBI agents got to the alleged site, of course there was no body or anything that looked like a body was ever there. So to put it in layman terms, nobody except for Roy Yancey knows what really happened with Roy Yancey. Now, Roy was sentenced to 22 years and paroled in 2010 after serving only 11 years. But within just three months of his parole, he was violated and he was imprisoned once again for the remainder of his sentence, which ends this year. He's remained active on social media, so maybe you can hit him up and have a drink with him. No? Understandable, I suppose. David Parker Ray and Cindy Hindy were arrested on March 22nd, 1999, and Dennis Roy Yancey and Jesse Ray's arrest followed just about a month later. And if you remember from the beginning of this episode, I know it's been a long episode, but the 911 call was actually made for a lady named Cynthia Vigil. And she was running down the road, covered in blood, wearing only a dog collar with a five-foot chain. And she alone brought this whole thing down. Now, one day after a nice little torturing session, DP went to work. And Cindy Hindy went to make a phone call, and she set down the keys to the padlocks that bound Cynthia. And Cynthia was able to stab Cindy with a nice pick, because there was a nice pick right there, obviously. And then smash a lamp over Cindy's head. Cynthia actually saw Cindy Hindy in the hospital, because Hindy was being treated for her wounds after her and DP were arrested trying to flee in their little Toyota Dolphin motorhome, which was the same one that they used when they were hunting victims. So I think that's a little poetic justice right there, that they were caught in the same vessel that they were using to catch people. When Cindy Hindy saw Cynthia in the hospital, she yelled out, and I quote, You need to check that bitch because she's on heroin. End quote. DP and company was just taking these poor women off the streets 
to help them kick heroin. Because they were all good people just trying to help. At least that's what their defense stated, right? Now here's a little clip of Cynthia Vigil talking about what had happened to her. My name is Cynthia Vigil and I'm a former street worker in Albuquerque. It was March 22nd, 1999. I was taken to this guy thinking it was a date. He handed me the money and when I came up from putting it in my shoe, he put a handcuff on me and told me he was a cop. And I tried fighting him and his girlfriend came out of nowhere and shocked me with a cattle prod. I was taken in Elephant Beat Lake where they had torture chambers. I was totally naked, tied up to the headboard and footboard of the bed. He played a tape. He starts off by saying, hello, bitch. Hello there, bitch. You're going to be kept chained in a variety of different positions. <laughs> I was shocked, raped, hung by the ceiling, drugged. Everything he thought of was done to me. After three days, the man went to work and he took the handcuffs and shackles off me but left me tied to the wall. And I untied myself. Um, she beat me with a lamp and uh, she stabbed me with an ice pick in my back and I stabbed her and I ran. David Parker Ray not only had an extreme fear of abandonment seated by his mother leaving him, but he was also a misogynist, meaning that he held a deep hatred for women. It seems as though every female in his life either did something to him or he did something to them. On occasion, it was both. Even his own daughter was a victim. If there is a chance that he didn't begin sexually assaulting her, he still brought her up in a dark world filled with dysfunctional sex, violence, and likely drug abuse. Even Cindy Hindi was a victim. Though she was already a victim and lost by the time she met DP, she was still a victim. I mean, when you're on the streets by 12 because your mother's boyfriend raped you and your mom kicks you out because she chooses to not believe you, you're most definitely a victim and your life will never be normal. Even with therapy, therapy can help you work some things out, but it's not a time machine that takes you back in time and changes the things that took place. It changes the way you react to it, but it doesn't change what happened. Cindy thoroughly enjoyed hurting those women, but I don't think she'd ever have done anything that extreme on her own at all. DP saw that she was a broken person, just like him, and showed her a way to get back at society and humanity for what they have endured. He taught her that misery truly does love company, and apparently for three days at a time. David Parker Ray was sentenced to 224 years in 2001. He was never, ever convicted of a single murder. And to this day, it is fictional to call him a murderer, even though some swear that his body count reaches up to the 60s. But we just don't have any factual proof. 
just words from people that were trying to tell the police anything that they could to help them get leniency on their own sentences. DP died the first day that he was transferred from the county jail to the actual big boy prison. They say he died from a heart attack, but I think he died from lack of being able to rape and torture women. He died on May 28, 2002. He was 62 years old, and now he's likely in hell where he belongs. But for any of you that have any kind of pull with law enforcement and you would like the CDP's toy box in real life, it is still to this day sitting at the FBI headquarters in Albuquerque, New Mexico, untouched. Well, at least still intact. Cindy Hindi, Jesse Ray, and Roy Yancey are all out or about to be out of prison at this moment. And I can't find any info on where any of them live, but you know that house right up the street from yours? That one that you see the lights on in the middle of the night but never really see anyone in the daytime? That's where they most likely are, right up the street from you. And most definitely in a nice little dive bar close to you as well. So hell, I guess I do know where they are. They live right by you. Here's the tape I promised you, in its entirety. I want you to acknowledge something real fast. DP was literally almost 54 years old when he made this tape. That in itself makes him rather saintish, right? Now just sit back, pretend that you're blindfolded and chained up and strapped down. And when you're done listening, take a long hot bath with Epsom salt and holy water and say about 100,000 Hail Marys and never think about this tape again, ever. In closing, I want to thank you very much for spending this time with me. It means a lot to me. We're nobodies in the podcast world right now, and it means a lot to me that you're listening to us. Till next time, always remember, just because you're paranoid doesn't mean they're not out to get you. Are you comfortable right now? I doubt it. Wrists and ankles chained, gagged, probably blindfolded. You are disoriented and scared too, I would imagine. Perfectly normal under the circumstances. For a little while, at least, you need to get your shit together and listen to this tape. It is very relevant to your situation. I'm going to tell you, in detail, why you have been kidnapped, what's going to happen to you, and how long you'll be here. I don't know the details of your capture, because this tape is being created July 23rd, 1993, as a general advisory tape for future female captives. The information I'm going to give you is based on my experience dealing with captives over a period of several years. If, at a future date, 
there are any major changes in our procedures, the tape will be upgraded. Now, you are obviously here against your will. Totally helpless. Don't know where you're at. Don't know what's going to happen to you. You're very scared or very pissed off. I'm sure that you've already tried to get your wrists and ankles loose. No, you can't. Now you're just waiting to see what's going to happen next. You probably think you're going to be raped, and you're fucking sure right about that. Our primary interest is in what you've got between your legs. You'll be raped, thoroughly and repeatedly, in every hole you've got. Because, basically, you've been snatched and brought here for us to train and use as a sex slave. Sound kind of far out? Well, I suppose it is to the uninitiated, but we do it all the time. It's going to take a lot of adjustment on your part, and you're not going to like it a fucking bit. But I don't give a big rat's ass about that. It's not like you're going to have any choice about the matter. You've been taken by force, and you're going to be kept and used by force. What all this amounts to is that you're going to be kept naked and chained up like an animal to be used and abused any time we want to, any way that we want to. And you might as well start getting used to it because you're going to be kept here and used until such time as we get tired of fucking around with you. And we will, eventually, in a month or two, maybe three, it's no big deal. My lady friend and I have been keeping sex slaves for years. We both have kinky hang-ups involving rape, dungeon games, etc. We found that it is extremely convenient to keep one or two female captives available constantly to uh, satisfy our particular needs. We are very selective when we snatch a girl to use for these purposes. It goes without saying that you have a fine body, and you're probably young, maybe very young, because, for our purposes, we prefer to snatch girls in the early to mid-teens, sexually developed, but still small-bodied, scared shitless, easy to handle, easy to train, and they usually have tight little pussies and assholes. They make perfect slaves. Any time that we go on a hunting trip, if we can find a little teenager, we usually start hitting the gay bars, look for a well-built, big-titted lesbian. I thoroughly enjoy raping and screwing around with lesbians, and there's not as much danger of them carrying a sexually transmitted disease. And I don't like using condoms. Also... Even though they're a little older, unless they've been playing with dildos a lot, they still have tight holes between their legs like the younger girls. If we can't find a lesbian that we want, we snatch anything that is young, clean, and well-built. We very seldom come back empty-handed, because there's plenty of bitches out there to choose from. And with a little practice in deception, most of them is very easy to get, with a little risk. At this point, it makes little difference what category you fall into. You're here, 
and we're going to make the most of it. You're going to be kept in the hidden slave room. It is relatively soundproof, escape-proof, and it is completely stocked with devices and equipment to satisfy our sexual fetishes and deviations. There may or may not be another girl in the room. Occasionally, for variety, we like to keep two slaves at the same time. In either case, as the new girl, you'll definitely be getting the most attention for a while. Now, as I said earlier, you're going to be kept like an animal. I guess I've been doing this too long. I've been raping bitches ever since I was old enough to jerk off and tie the little girl's hands behind their back. As far as I'm concerned, you're a pretty piece of meat to be used and exploited. I don't give a flying fuck about your mind or how you feel about this situation. You may be married, have a kid or two, boyfriend, girlfriend, job, car payment. Fuck it. I don't give a rat's ass about any of that. I don't want to hear about it. It's something you're going to have to deal with after you're turned loose. I make it a point never to like a slave, and I fucking sure don't have any respect for you. Here, your status is no more than that of one of the dogs or of one of the animals out in the barn. Your only value to us is the fact that you have an attractive, usable body. And, like the rest of our animals, you will be fed and watered, kept in good physical condition, kept reasonably clean and allowed to use the toilet when necessary. In return, you're going to be used hard, especially during your first few days while you're new and fresh. You're going to be kept and chained in a variety of different positions, usually with your legs and knees forced wide apart. Your pussy and asshole is going to get a real workout, especially your asshole because I'm into animal sex. Also, both of those holes are going to be subjected to a lot of use with some rather large dildos, among other things. And it goes without saying, there's going to be a lot of oral sex. On numerous occasions, you're going to be forced to suck cock and eat pussy until your jaws ache and your tongue is sore. You may not like it, but you're fucking sure going to do it. And that's the easy part. Our fetishes and hang-ups include stringent bondage, dungeon games, a little sadism. Nothing serious, but uncomfortable and sometimes painful. Just a few little hang-ups that we like to use when we're getting off on a bitch. <laughs> if you're a young teeny bopper and ignorant about fetishes and deviations, you're about to get an enlightening crash course in sex. Who knows? You may like some of it. It happens, occasionally, if we want to take the time and trouble even under these conditions, most bitches can be brought to orgasm. Now, I've already told you that you're going to be here a month or two, or maybe three, if you keep us turned on. If it's up to my lady, we'd keep you indefinitely. She says it's just as much fun and less risky. But, personally, I like variety. A fresh pussy, 
now and then, to play with. We take four or five different girls each year, depending on our urges and sometimes accidental encounters. Basically, I guess we're like predators. We're always looking. Occasionally, some sweet little thing will be broke down on the side of the road, walking, bicycling, jogging. Any time an opportunity like that presents itself, it's not too risky, we'll grab her even if we've already got a captive in the playroom. Variety is definitely the spice of life. Now, I'm sure that you're a great little piece of ass and you're going to be a lot of fun to play with, but I will get tired of you eventually. If I killed every bitch that we kidnapped, there'd be bodies strung all over the country. And besides, I don't like killing a girl unless it is absolutely necessary. So, I've devised a safe, alternate method of disposal. I had plenty of bitches to practice on over the years, so I've pretty well got it down pat. And I enjoy doing it. I get off on mind games. After we get completely through with you, you're going to be drugged up real heavy with a combination of sodium pentothal and phenobarbital. They are both hypnotic drugs that will make you extremely susceptible to hypnosis, auto-hypnosis, and hypnotic suggestion. You're going to be kept drugged a couple days while I play with your mind. By the time I get through brainwashing you, you're not going to remember a fucking thing about this little adventure. You won't remember this place, us, or what has happened to you. There won't be any DNA evidence because you'll be bathed and both holes between your legs will be thoroughly flushed out. You'll be dressed, sedated, and turned loose on some country road, bruised, <laughs> sore all over, but nothing that won't heal up in a week or two. The thought of being brainwashed may not be appealing to you, but we've been doing it a long time and it works. And it's the lesser of two evils. I'm sure that you would prefer that in lieu of being strangled or having your throat cut. Okay, undoubtedly, somebody's going to be looking for you. There may or may not be a missing persons report. But nobody's going to be looking for you here. They don't have any idea where you're at. You don't even know where you're at. We're always very careful about that. There are not going to be any knights in shining armor coming to rescue you. You are strictly on your own, and under the circumstances, I bet that is a scary thought. If there is another girl in the room, she won't be able to help you either, because she's going to be in the same position you're in. As for escaping, I'm sure you'll try to figure out a way. That's human nature. But it's not hardly even worth talking about here. It would not be prudent on our part to have you running around in the woods screaming rape. It would be an embarrassment, to say the least. Consequently, 
you're going to be kept in an environment that is even more secure than a prison cell. If it has not already been done, very shortly, a steel collar is going to be padlocked around your neck. It has a long, heavy chain that is padlocked to a ring in the floor. The collar will never be removed until you are turned loose. It's a permanent fixture. The hidden playroom, where you're going to be kept, has steel walls, floor and ceiling. It is virtually soundproof and has a steel door with two keyed locks. The hinges are welded on and there are two heavy deadbolts on the outside. The room is totally escape-proof, even with tools. Any time that you are left unattended in the room, your wrists will be chained, and there are electronic sensors to uh, let us know if you move around too much. And if that's not enough, there is a closed-circuit TV system with a surveillance camera. It's wired to the main TV in the living room, so we can check you once in a while, or just sit and watch you for the fun of it. Electronics is a wonderful thing. Expensive. But hell, everything in that room is expensive, and damn well worth it. If everybody knew how much fun it was to keep a sex slave, half the women would be chained up in somebody's basement. Anyway... We've had a lot of practice at this, and, uh, we're not real concerned about you escaping. You're fucking sure not gonna go anywhere. Now, if you're not already naked, you soon will be. Your clothing will be bagged up and saved until such time as we decide to turn you loose. As far as being naked goes, you might as well get used to it. For what you are going to be used for, clothing would just be in the way. Besides, I like watching a naked woman's body. All of it. Whether it be in a room or on the TV set. As I've already said, you'll be fed and watered on a regular basis. Not as much of either as you're used to, I'm sure. But enough to keep you healthy. You'll only be fed once a day, like the rest of the animals... And during the first few days, until you adjust to it and your stomach shrinks up, you're going to feel a little weak and you'll be hungry all the time. It won't take long, three or four days. And during the first few days, until you adjust to the environment, I prefer to keep you in a weakened condition anyway. Now, you already know that you've been kidnapped and brought here for us to train and use as a sex slave. I realize that being abducted and being forced into sexual slavery is a hard pill to swallow. Some girls really have a lot of trouble with it, and I'm sure that you will, to a certain extent. But face it, you can't get away, you can't say no, you're going to be naked all the time. You won't be able to struggle or resist. You're going to have to lay there and take it, good or bad, no matter what is being done to you. Scary thought? Yes, but there are no options. Nothing that you can say or do will change the fact it's going to happen. Many girls beg and plead. Almost all of them cry a lot, 
especially during the first three or four days. And some of them scream and threaten. But I have a poster on the wall in the playroom that says it all. If they're worth taking, they're worth keeping. And I'm going to tell you, just so you know, since you are being kept here against your will, we will never trust anything you say, do, or promise. You are a potential threat to us, and you will always be treated as such. On numerous occasions, bitches have told me that they'd do anything I wanted them to do if I'd just take the chains off. I've been offered ransom money, and I've even had girls tell me they liked it. But I like to use the chains. Money's not that important, and masochists are rare as hell. <laughs> I wonder what your scam's gonna be. Not anything I haven't heard before, I bet, if you get a chance to talk at all. Well, let's change the subject a little bit. You already know that, for the most part, you're going to be kept in the playroom. But, once in a while, we like to take a captive into the bedroom. In chains, of course. Also... We have a couple of real close friends we party with once in a while. They know about our hang-ups and don't have any problem with fucking a slave. You may be required to service them occasionally, but that's an easy one. For the most part, just fucking and sucking. They don't get into the heavier stuff. However, when we have a party... Sometimes I like to put on a little show that you won't like at all. You'll be taken into the living room and put on the floor on your hands and knees, naked. Your wrists, ankles, knees, and hips will be strapped to a metal frame to hold your body in that position. The frame is designed for doggy fucking, your ass up in the air, sex organs exposed, your tits hanging down on each side of a metal support bar, knees spread about 12 inches, positioned similar to that of a bitch dog in heat, right in the middle of the floor so we can sit on the couch and in chairs and watch. I'm going to rub canine breeder's musk on your back, the back of your neck, and on your sex organs. Now I have three dogs, all of them's male, because I don't need any fucking pups. One of them is a very large German shepherd that is always horny, and he loves it when I bring him in the house to fuck a woman. After I let him in the house, he'll sniff around you a little bit, and within a minute, he'll be mounting you. There's about a 50-50 chance which hole he'll get his penis into, but it doesn't seem to bother him whether it's the pussy or the asshole. His penis is pretty thin. It goes in easy, but it's about ten inches long, and when he gets completely excited, it gets a hell of a knot right in the middle of it. Now, I've had slaves tell me that it feels like they got a baseball inside of him. It doesn't take long. He's going to hop you real fast for about three or four minutes, while he's doing it, he'll wrap his front legs around your chest to hold himself in position. And in the process, 
He'll probably scratch your tits up a little bit with his claws. After he gets through, he usually turns around and tries to pull out. Oh, he'll jerk a little, not much, mostly just steady pressure, and I've timed it. The knot will usually shrink up enough to come out of your pussy in about three minutes. If he's in your asshole, about five minutes. I don't use the dog all that often, but I don't deprive him of pussy either. There's no doubt that he's going to be on you a few times while you're here, because I like watching it. And any time it's just you, me, and the dog, it will always be in your butt. The dog knot on his penis is big and extremely uncomfortable when he's uh, pushing it back and forth way up in Uranus. I really enjoy watching a girl wiggle, jerk, and squirm around while he's doing it. Consequently, I give him a little uh, assistance getting it in the right hole. Now, if you think all of this stuff is sick and depraved, you haven't seen anything yet. This is a different world. Among our small circle of friends, little things like rape, kidnapping, doggy fucking, stuff like that, are everyday occurrences. Matter of course. Here, anything can happen, and often does. We like living in the mountains because it's quiet, secluded, private, and everybody minds their own business. The only close house belongs to our friends, and they don't hear or see anything. Okay, let's talk about uh, your training, the rules, and punishment. Here, you are a slave, and discipline is extremely strict. You're going to be given a set of rules, things you can and cannot do, and you will learn to comply, because each time you violate a rule, you will be punished. As soon as each rule is told to you, it will become law as far as you're concerned. And you know what's going to happen every time you fuck up. We'll use a couple of methods of punishment. A whip is an excellent training aid. So is an electroshock machine. Anytime you get out of line, one or both will be used on your body, and I assure you, it will not be pleasant. There's not many rules, they're very easy to remember, but you're going to make a few mistakes. Every slave does. I don't like repeat offenders. It gets me very upset. During the first few hours, the first time you violate a certain rule, teaching process. The second time you violate the same rule, you'll be lightly punished. And the third time you violate it, it's going to be full punishment. After the first day, we won't cut you any slack at all. We will expect total obedience. Now let's start this off right. You are a slave. You don't realize it yet, but you will, eventually. I'm your master, and the lady is your mistress. You will be totally docile. You will be very quiet, and you'll speak only when spoken to. 
Never initiate conversation. Keep your mouth shut. Any time that you are spoken to, you will be required to respond, and it will be with proper speech. Remember that we are in the dungeon game, and as long as you are here, it's the only game in town. Any time that you are asked a question where a yes or no answer is required, you will respond by saying, yes, master, no mistress, no master, etc. You will show proper respect. Having to use the word master or mistress may sound funny, petty, or vain to you, but that's all right. If you choose not to do it, you can laugh while you're being whipped or when your body is convulsing under the electroshock machine. You will respond to commands without protest or resistance. Do exactly what you're told, nothing else. Remember that here you are a slave, and failure to respond to a command will definitely get you in trouble. If I decide to rape you in your pussy or in your asshole, don't resist or struggle. When I tell you to spread your legs or to pull them back, you say, yes, master, and obey the command, because to do anything less will get you beaten. If I tell you I want to be sucked off, you say, yes, master, and open your mouth. I love oral sex if it's done right. You're going to be taught exactly the way I like it, how to use your lips and tongue. We'll be practicing a lot, and each time when I get ready to come, I'm going to push my penis down your throat and keep it there until I get through squirting. I'm not going to choke you, but you need to learn to hold your breath and to swallow every bit of the sperm. If I see one drop leaking out of your mouth, I'm going to punish you. Basically, it's going to be the same with your mistress. If she demands oral sex, you say, yes, mistress, and respond. She also will teach you exactly the way she likes it, and you will keep using your tongue on her pussy until she gets off. Now, I can't foresee what kind of bitch you're going to be, how you feel about oral sex, or any of that shit, but I am going to tell you this. If, during oral sex or any other time, you should bite one of us. I'm going to cut on you a little bit. I'll cut your nipple off for a starter. And if it's a bad bite, I'll cut your tit off too. That may sound harsh, but your teeth are serious weapons and we're not going to tolerate any shit from you. I have been bitten and I've cut off nipples, so don't fuck around. That's enough said about that. Remember the commands, yes, master, no, mistress. If your mistress should come into the room and tells you to get down on the floor or lay down on the floor, you say, yes, mistress, and then lay down on the floor exactly the way she told you to do. If she tells you to pull your knees up, you say, yes, mistress, and pull your knees up. If she tells you to spread your knees, you say, yes, mistress, spread them wide apart and hold them there so she can play with your pussy, use dildos or whatever.
A slave must always obey every command and offer no resistance. Remember that. Never say no unless it's justified, like in response to a question. If either one or both of us decide to put you in a different bondage position, the chains will be taken off the various parts of your body, wrists and ankles, never off your neck. Don't kick, struggle, or resist in any way. If you do, you're going to be in a world of hurt. If you're told to hold your leg out so a chain can be attached to your ankle, you say, yes, master, or yes, mistress, and hold your leg out. For repeated rule violations, the punishments are eventually going to become harsh and even brutal, and you won't have anyone to blame but yourself. Now, I should also tell you that there's going to be times when the whip and electroshock is used not for punishment, but for our pleasure. The difference will be that when it's done for pleasure, the whip strokes will be much lighter. They'll sting like hell, but they won't have that burning sensation and leave welts that hurt for hours. As for the electroshock machine, the voltage will be turned down. It won't be that harsh electricity that uh, makes your body convulse and jerk all over the table. You haven't experienced any of that yet, but I'm sure that you will. To avoid these punishments, you're going to have to be very quiet, very docile, and very obedient. And I imagine that's going to be very hard for you to do. You'll probably try us a few times to see if this is real. <laughs> Most captives do. If you want to, be my guest, because... It's all part of the game. Now let's discuss talking. You cannot talk. You cannot speak unless you've been given permission. I believe that rule gets more bitches in trouble than anything else, because they can't keep the damn mouth shut. They always want to whine, beg, plead, try to talk me into turning them loose. I used to listen to it. I don't anymore. I enjoy blessed silence. Around here, your mouth is for sucking, not talking. Around here, the only time I ever want to hear you initiate speech is if you have to use the restroom, and you will learn to do it properly. Master, may I please use the restroom, or mistress, may I please use the restroom. In response... We will ask you what you need to do. If you have to pee, you say, Pee, master, or pee, mistress. If you have to crap, you say, Crap, master, or crap, mistress. It will be done that way because, quite often, you will be in heavy restraints, a lot of straps on your body, chains on your wrists and ankles, a bunch of stuff that's time-consuming and hard to get loose. If you have to pee, we'll use a bedpan. If you have to shit, you may have to hold it a while. Whatever the case, we need to know. And you definitely need to tell us. Because if you make a mess, you're going to be punished, and you have to clean it up. Now, I've covered the basics pretty thoroughly, 
You know to keep your mouth shut and not try to talk. You know the proper way to say master or mistress, and you know how you're expected to act and respond to commands. If you can learn to do all that, there will not be a great deal of punishment. We'll get along pretty good. There's going to be a lot of other things done to your body besides just fucking and sucking. But for that, for the most part, you'll either be in stringent bondage or strapped down on a gynecology table. You won't be able to struggle or resist anyway. Now, you're going to be required to learn fast. Training is not one of my favorite things to do. And I prefer fucking around with a slave that's already trained. I've already given you the basics, so there is not that much to learn. But until you accept the fact that you are a slave, you're going to have problems with it. Remember that each time you fuck up, you are going to be punished. And after it's happened a few times, you're really going to dread it. Some girls tend to be a little rebellious. I sure as hell wouldn't advise that, because it will get you in serious trouble. Here, you definitely need to be docile. You're not in any position to be otherwise. We've done this so many times that we know exactly what we like to do with a slave. We don't go out of our way to brutalize a girl. If you don't give us any trouble... We won't do any more to your body than is necessary to satisfy our sexual needs. Initially, when we've got a new girl in the playroom, we're kind of like a kid with a new toy. You are fresh and exciting, and we're going to spend a lot of time playing with you. Later, after the newness wears off, things will settle into something of a routine. We'll only be spending three or four hours each day in the playroom. You're going to have a lot of free time to rest, sleep, watch TV, or whatever. If you're acting halfway decent, you'll be left in a reasonably comfortable position so you can relax. As far as sex goes, your mistress is going to want her pussy eaten a couple of times a day. For my part... I like getting off in a slave twice and sometimes three times each day, usually in her mouth or in her asshole. Don't get me wrong, I'm going to be sticking my dick in your cunt once in a while too, but for the most part, when I use that hole, it's going to be with uh, large dildos. We're going to be in and out of the room several times each day, but you will have a lot of free time. Now, i got to tell you that there's another side to the coin. Once in a while, we get a bitch that is resentful, rebellious, won't mind, uncooperative. That doesn't work here. I'm sure that you realize you're on thin ice. As long as you have chains on your body, don't try either one of us. It is an extremely dangerous thing to do because, if necessary, I'm capable of doing things to your body and torturing you in ways you can't even imagine. The playroom is equipped with a full set of surgical instruments, which I have had occasion to use and will 
again as necessary. I've already told you what will happen to you if you buy it. To be completely safe here, you have to be docile. If you should accidentally or otherwise hurt, scratch, or kick either one of us, you could be in very serious trouble. I'm sure that you want to survive this experience, and I want you to also. But you are expendable, and it's no big deal to go out and snatch a replacement. It may sound harsh and cold, but if you give us too much trouble, or if you pose any kind of threat to us, I won't have any qualms at all about slicing your throat. Like I said before, I don't like killing the girls that we bring here, but occasionally things happen. What can I say? I would really hate to have to dump that pretty little body off in a canyon somewhere to rot. I'm not trying to scare you. That's just the way it is. Be nice. Keep your mouth shut. Learn the rules and survive. We're into S&M, and you're going to be hurt a little. But everything we do to a girl is designed to cause pain, not injury. There is a big difference. No matter how painful it is, nothing that we plan to do to your body will cause any serious or permanent damage. I'm not lying to you or trying to make it sound easier, because that would be pointless. I'm just telling it like it is. That's the way we do things, and that's the way it's going to be, unless we have problems with you. I've already told you that you're going to be whipped, lightly, for our pleasure. The electroshock will be used, lightly, for pleasure. Most of the other nasty little things that we're going to do, for the most part, will be done on your breasts, nipples, and between your legs. The lady is fortunate. She can get off any time. She just likes to be a little sadistic with a slave every once in a while. In my case, I cannot get off with a girl unless I hurt her first. That's basically the reason I'm into rape and slavery and the reason that you're going to be subjected to a certain amount of pain. Mostly what we do to a captive is stick needles in her breasts and through her nipples, through her cunt lips, through her clit, and I'm into stretching certain things. Clamps with long nylon cords on each one will occasionally be put on your cunt lips so your pussy can be kept pulled open. And they're also going to be attached to your nipples. The nylon cords will be put through ceiling rings or rings on each side of the table and pulled very tight to stretch your tits. Occasionally, your clip will also be clamped and stretched and we're going to be using dildos. The dildos are going to be used a lot, more than anything else, and consequently what you're going to have the most trouble with. Many of them are very long, very large in diameter and very painful when they're being forced in. Your mistress will use them in your pussy, and I like to use them in both holes. Actually, that pretty well covers it. There's going to be a few other little things that we do, nothing of greater consequence, not often, just variety. 
As far as needles go, they'll always be sterilized. The clamps are going to hurt like a motherfucker, but they won't cause any permanent injury. They won't even break the skin. As far as the dildos go, both of those holes between your legs will stretch a hell of a lot. It'll hurt, but they'll stretch. Your pussy is designed for a baby to come out of, and we won't be using anything bigger than that. The really large ones will not be used in your butt. I don't want to stretch that hole so big that it's not usable for fucking. Anyway, that pretty well covers that part of it. Let's see, what have I missed? Let's talk about screaming. Every once in a while, we get a screamer. Some bitch that just wants to scream all the time. And it definitely gets him in trouble because it gets on my nerves. Very shortly, that gag is going to be removed. We live in an isolated area, so screaming is not usually a problem. In the playroom, it's not much of a problem at all because of the soundproofing. But it irritates the fuck out of me. There is a time and a place. Occasionally, I like to hear a bitch scream, but usually not. The only thing that screaming is going to get you around here is a lot of punishment. And if you do it habitually, I will just keep a ball gag in your mouth all the time. It will only be taken out for you to eat and suck. I've already told you about talking. Don't try to initiate a conversation. Don't say anything. You will be punished. If you're a smoker, now's a good time to quit. I'm not going to buy your cigarettes, and if you ask for one, the only thing you're going to get is a few whip marks. Remember, when you're asked a question, you say, yes, master, or no, master. If you have to go to the restroom, it is master or mistress. May I please go to the restroom? Any time that you are given a command, always acknowledge the order verbally, yes, master, and then obey the order. That's not too difficult. A bright little thing like you should be able to learn it real fast. There are going to be times when you are under a stress, a certain amount of stress, and you may forget. But that's no excuse. Each time you fuck up, you are going to be punished. After you're here a few days, it'll eventually become automatic and there will no longer be a problem. I realize that after a while, when I take that gag off, you are really going to want to try to talk to me talk me into turning you loose and such. It's because with your wrists and ankles chained, your mouth is the only defense you have. But don't do it. It won't work, and all it will bring is punishment. Your first day here is not going to be too difficult. There won't be any serious dungeon games. Your training has already been initiated, so you'll have to be very careful what you say and how you act. But for the most part, there's going to be a little exploring. We will become very familiar with your body and do a little fucking and sucking. We may tease you a little bit with some of our more humane toys, but nothing serious. It's going to be kind of an adjustment period. Don't say anything. Don't struggle or resist, no matter what we do. Because we are going to start enforcing the rules immediately. Now later, 
I'm going to be asking you a bunch of questions. Since I'm going to be caring for your body for the next month or two or three, there are certain things that I need to know. I've prepared a questionnaire that I fill out with each new captive. Some of the questions are going to be embarrassing, but you should answer them truthfully and completely. You damn well better. I don't want to catch you in a lie. The questions will be in reference to your physical condition, any medical conditions that I'd need to know about, medications, sex habits, sexual preferences, any childbirth you might have had, period dates, and so forth. Now your training has already started. Each time I ask you one of those questions on the questionnaire, there's going to be a proper way to answer it which I'll tell you about in a few minutes. While we go through the questionnaire, you're going to be strapped down on the gynecology table. Your feet will be in the stirrups and your knees will be pulled wide apart with everything exposed. I like to keep a girl that way while she's answering the questions so I can examine and verify uh, anything she might tell me which would affect her use as a sex slave. If you do have any kind of medical conditions, by all means, let me know. We'll discuss it, and we may make adjustments. We won't turn you loose, but we may make adjustments. We're probably going to be starting on this questionnaire pretty soon. You will be naked, and as I said, you'll be strapped down on a gynecology table so you can't wiggle or squirm around. You will be talking quite a bit, answering the questions, so I'm sure that we'll start your speech training at the same time. Consequently, before we start on the questionnaire, two small electrical clamps will be put on your nipples. Each time a question is asked, you will respond properly. For instance, if I ask you how old you are, you will respond by saying, Master, I'm 19 years old. Answer the question completely and say nothing else. If the question requires a yes or no answer, say yes, master, or no, master. If I ask you your period dates, you say, master, my period is so-and-so. If I ask you about childbirth, you say, no, master, or master, I had a baby a year ago, or whatever. Always start each sentence by saying, Master, and take your time. We're not going to be in any hurry. Think about what you're going to say before you say it. Because each time you fuck up, I'm going to press a little button and send a few thousand volts of electricity through your nipples right down into your tits. You are in training, so it will just be a quick blast. I'm not going to hold it down and torture you. But each time you screw up, it's going to be a little bit worse. So take your time, answer the questions properly. I'm not going to push you. We're not going to be in any hurry. Think about each thing you're going to say and be damn sure and start your sentence with master. If you get through that okay... Get your speech down, Pat. Keep your mouth shut. And don't give us any trouble. Then the first day is going to be real pleasant for everybody. 
I'm going to put some dildos in those holes between your legs, but they will not be big ones. Basically, I just want to become very familiar with your sex organs and the size of your holes. All girls are different. During the course of the day, you're going to be raped several times, but that's no big deal. The second day, after you get totally familiar with the rules and procedures, we're going to get down to the nitty-gritty. A lot of it will not be very pleasant for you. But you might as well get used to it, because it's going to be like that for a while. Eventually, things will settle down a little. Then, just take it day by day. Well, I believe I've told you about everything that I can. I cannot predict the future. I can't predict changes of procedure. But if this tape is being played for you, I have to assume that it is still reasonably accurate. And I can only give you advice. Be smart and be a survivor. Don't ever scream. Don't talk without permission. Be very quiet. Be docile and obedient. And, by all means, show proper respect. Have a nice day.